listening to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of South Crest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat. I think a lot of you would already know this about me and my wife, Caitlin, if you've been here a little bit, but some of you may not. From the years 2016 to 2018, uh, we served as missionaries um, in Eastern Asia, or honestly, we can just go ahead and say it was the country of China on the East Coast. And uh, what we did there is we did college ministry there. Um, and that was actually where we ended up falling in love with college ministry. We had done youth ministry and some other things before that. Um, there's lots of things I can share about that. And if you've been here long enough, maybe you shared some different stories of different perspectives and things we experienced. But tonight specifically, I, I thought about letting you in on our, our food experience specifically. Now, we're, we were born and raised in West Texas and moved to China, you can imagine that there may be some difficulties with the food there. I'm not talking about Panda Express, okay? Um, Egg rolls do not exist in China. If any of you are wondering, I looked for them. They're not there. We had quite a bit of times where we didn't eat a whole lot. Um, I still managed to gain weight. Caitlin looked just fine, uh, nonetheless. But uh, if they had noodles there, we were fine. But if it was like fish heads and like real squid, one time a, a a real squid, like, I'm not talking about like Long John Silvers, I'm talking about like actual, no, no, sorry, shrimp, just placed right there on the plate. Caitlin got up and ran to the bathroom, act like she had to go to the bathroom, and then I had to eat it. So anyway, <clears throat> so we did have a little bit of comfort there, though, in terms of food. There were a few Western places, and in the city of Beijing, the capital, it wasn't too far of a train ride up to the northeast uh, side of, of China where, where this is at. Um, there is a good restaurant called Peter's Tex-Mex, and it, it was pretty good for its attempt at Tex-Mex. Um, but what was even better was this restaurant called Home Plate Barbecue. And the, the owner like traveled to Texas, stayed here for a little bit, learned how to cook barbecue, and came back. And we heard that before we ever went. And so we had some high expectations, but also some low expectations, you know, like, like okay, is this the real deal? Well, we ate it. And oh my goodness, it was absolutely fantastic. It was, it was amazing. Uh, like I could go on and on and on. Even the sauces that they, that they made were incredible. And we were so excited about having Texas barbecue in China that we actually told our families about it when they came. Caitlin's parents, when they were about to fly back from Beijing, back, back to Texas, we took them there uh, and just said, hey, like at least we have this. Like you can at least get some Texas barbecue right before you get back to Texas. And, and they ate it. They said it was great. It was a great meal. Um, our waiter was British somehow. I don't know. Um, there's some funny stories there. But anyway, so about a year later, we've already returned from the United States. It's now 2018. We're talking about our, our time in China. And it gets brought up how great home plate barbecue was. Like, I'm like, do y'all remember that place? And her parents say, yeah, that barbecue actually wasn't really good. We just felt kind of bad for you that you thought it was good. And, and we didn't want to like spoil the moment for you. Like that was not Texas barbecue. And guys, I was just heartbroken because y'all know I like food. I talk a lot about food, you know, and uh, I'm okay now. Don't worry. We got it taken care of. But, but in, the, in that moment, what I realized was, oh my gosh, like, my taste buds were so off that, that I thought that was real Texas barbecue. Like, I love me some Texas barbecue. And they're saying it tasted nothing like it. They're like, 
honestly, what they were saying is like, it tasted like a Chinese chef's attempt at Texas barbecue. That's what it tasted like. And so in that moment, what I realized is my tastes were off. Something that I thought tasted amazing, they said was really just average. It wasn't even the real thing. We fast forward to 2020, 2022, sorry. And in the context that we're in now, we're talking about this theme of amazing grace. That's the name of our series. What I can tell from listening and learning and even being in our culture, in our time, is that similar to how I thought home plate was the real deal, and I, and, but really my taste were kind of diluted. I, I thought I was tasting the real thing, but really it was a watered-down version of real Texas barbecue. My, my fear is that when it comes to, to God's grace, we have lost our taste. And in a very functional, everyday way, we're tasting something that we may think is God's grace, which is supposed to be amazing, but it's really just average grace. It's just an attempt or maybe a manufactured version of God's grace. And so with that, we have a problem. We have a problem that needs a solution. And so I don't know if you have heard of the hymn Amazing Grace. Surely you have. But in 1779, John Newton wrote this famous Christian hymn, Amazing Grace. And, and for plenty of days as, as a Christian, I can tell you, I, I would attest God's grace is, is amazing. But I wonder if you're anything like me, and then that story kind of resonates. Man, like, I, why is my life not being transformed? Like, why doesn't it feel like God is not amazing? Sometimes I feel like I'm not singing amazing grace. I'm singing average grace, right? You ever feel that way? I even wrote you a little ditty, okay, if you don't want to hear it. It goes like this, average grace. <laughs> Abby Henderson, like, put her face in her hands. <laughs> average grace. How faint the sound that rarely impacts me. I still feel lost and don't know why. This life is so crappy. Y'all like it? Bestseller? Chart, Spotify tomorrow. Ding. Maybe I can get, never mind. Okay, so <laughs> the real words are what? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found was blind, but now I see. Now that sounds good, right? Like that, that sounds amazing. Like everyone should want in on that. Like even if you're like, I'm not even sure if God exists. I'm like, just look at the content of those words. Like you should want that. You should, that should compel you to want this amazing grace that we talk about so much. But if we've lost our taste for the real thing and God's grace is no longer amazing, we need to figure out how to get back to what that is, and I believe in order for us to do that, to get back to amazing grace, one of the best ways we can do that is look at the incredible blessings that we have simply by just being a Christian. When you believed in Jesus, what are all of the things that are true about you and your life? The question up on the screen is this, what are the blessings that every Christian has? Or another way I would say is, what makes this grace so Amazing. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter one. We're gonna be in verse three. Ephesians chapter one, verse three. There we go. Hey, they cheer when I open the Bible. For those of you who know what's going on, the Bible's already been opened and the joke's on you. I already had it open. So anyway, but we're going to scripture now. So proper phrases do. What are the blessings that every Christian has? 
Let's read together, starting in verse three of Ephesians chapter one. It says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. I'm so excited to jump in and dive in. And so the question again is, what are the blessings that every Christian has. The first thing I want you to see in verse four is this, is that for every Christian, this is true for you right now. If you believe in Jesus, we are chosen, not forsaken. And can I get an amen? We are chosen, not forsaken. We sing that song, right? I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who he says I am. Even Romans 8, 29 would would help us in this concept of of, of God knowing so much about us. It says that we were actually foreknown. And so when you look at verse 4, when it says that, that God did this before the foundation of the world, that establishes what Genesis chapter 1 helps us understand that in the beginning, God was there. He's an eternal God. If we look at John chapter 1, he sort of does the same thing. Like, hey, remember that God who was in the beginning? That was Jesus because Jesus is eternal. That same God tells us through his word, Christian, that you were not an afterthought. You were very, very intentional. You are not, you are foreknown. You are not forgotten. How many of you have ever seen the show Love is Blind? Confession time. Oh, y'all get those hands up. We can't lie in church, all right? Me and my wife, one of the few lame ones in here. And so what we do is we let the season like kind of like be released after a little bit and then, and then we watch it. But spoiler alert, I guess, I don't know, season two, there's this couple, her name is Danielle and, and Nick. And what's really interesting is that if you know about Love is Blind, that you choose to marry someone before you even see them. And so uh, Nick f- falls in love with, with Danielle. And, and did I get those names right? I've messed up names. Yeah, Danielle and Nick, he falls in love with Danielle before he's even seen her. He, he, he chose her, he loves her. But because of a lot of her insecurities, because of her not understanding, Understanding that he actually didn't just choose the things that he knows, like he, that he's going to love her for, for all of her, even if hard things come. And, she, and what's kind of hard about that show is she can't get it in her head. She keeps causing fights and arguments, like basically to be like, hey, did you know this about me? Did you know this about me? And he's like, yes, I still love you. And so what's crazy about that, in the Christian life, we can be that way with God. We can think, God, you made a mistake. You don't know everything about me. You only love these parts, and and that couldn't be farthest from the truth. He knows everything about you and me. He knows his things about you and me that we don't even know about you and me, right? Forget the self-discovery stuff like God's like, I got it figured out. I know everything about you. 
He knows your thoughts, every good and bad thing. He chose all of you. And his love and delight in you is something that you can trust and turn and delight in him. And so the first thing we see from verse four is we are chosen, not forsaken. We are foreknown, not forgotten. And let's move on down to verse five. Verse five says this. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. And so the next thing I want you to see is that as Christians, the incredible blessings that we have as a Christian, we are chosen, not forsaken, and we are also predestined, not undecided. We are predestined, not undecided. I'm going to read Romans 8, 29 for you again. It says, for those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many Brothers, okay? And so here's where I want to break this down for you. You can know as a Christian right now, it's already set. You are predestined to a godly state in a God-filled place. If you're a note taker, this is probably something to take down. A godly state, you're going to ultimately become, even if it doesn't feel like it, you will totally become like Jesus Christ. You, you will become, not, not be God, but you will in perfection and growing in Christ-likeness and growing in his love Whenever he comes back or we go to be with him, that will happen. And then you're also predestined to a God-filled place, heaven, all right? We will become totally like Jesus, godly state, and we will physically be with Jesus forever, God-filled place. God isn't undecided if we are worthy of that. He's decided. That's what you have. What is God's plan for me to become like Jesus and to go to heaven one day? As surely as we bought plane tickets to New York City from Lubbock just last week, we know the date. It's June 25th through July 2nd. That's the itinerary. We know where, what airport it's going to be. We have, in a way, when we bought plane tickets for that New York City mission trip this summer for the journey, we have predestined ourselves to arrive at, in New York on June 25th and come back to Lubbock on July 2nd. Now, here's the deal. Have we seen the plane yet? No. Have we even gone to the airport yet? No. Is it several months away? Yes, all right? Even when we're on the plane, can we see New York City until we get there? No. Very similar connection. Right now in the Christian life, we can, we can call it the, the itinerary of, of the Christian life. We will become totally like Christ, and we will be with him in heaven. But we can't see the plane yet, right? We're not necessarily at the airport yet. Right now, we feel like maybe we're not growing. We see we're pretty far away from being totally like Jesus. We feel like we're pretty far from heaven. We can't see it exactly the way we would like to. We get a little bit of details here in scripture. But one thing we can know for sure that on the flight of life right now, God has told us, I will bring you to your final destination. It's decided. All believers, all Christians will land on the runway of heaven, welcomed by the loving arms of God. And so we are predestined, not undecided. Let's keep moving on. In verse five, you probably also saw this word and it says we're predestined for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. And so, sorry ladies, that it just says sons, that includes daughters. If it makes you feel any better, notice how Paul doesn't say sons and daughters, but guys have to be the bride of Christ. Okay, all right, with no explanation. So if guys have to be the bride of Christ, you're just sons here. I'm sorry, this is how the Bible works here. But verse five says, we are adopted, not abandoned. 
as Christians, every believer is adopted, not abandoned. And so what can be sure, again, when you're a Christian, you can know this about yourself. It is predestined, it is determined already. Right now, you're a child of God, yes, but you're gonna experience that in fullness when you get to see God face to face and physically see him look at you as his child. Can you imagine how cool that is? Y'all see those adoption stories, how cool it is when those parents get to see their kid for the first time? Imagine that on a heavenly level to an ultimate level when we get to see God face to face and imagine how excited he is going to be to wrap his arms around us. One of the things uh, that I chose specifically uh, with the word not abandoned, I think it's a good antonym, uh, the opposite of adopted, is because in our culture, in our world today, a lot of us feel incredibly lonely. A lot of us have a sense of abandonment or isolation. Harvard, a Harvard study said 61% of young adults feel lonely in our, in our world today, that we feel like we don't have friendship and, and connection the way we would like to have. The reason that I think God's adoption is so beautiful is that is a major issue for 61% of people around mine and your age, and God's adoption addresses one of our greatest needs right now. Loneliness, abandonment. Good fathers don't abandon their children, and God is a good father, amen? The security of knowing we have a loving father who will not abandon us or, or leave us, and even if we do feel alone and abandoned, we can know the truth is, the reality is, is that we are not, that he's with us. And so we are adopted, not abandoned. Y'all keep reading with me, verses seven through eight. It says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and Insight, And so this word lavish is maybe a little bit confusing. Like raise your hand if you've used the word lavish in the past 10 years. No, right? I've only used it when teaching the Bible, okay? Lavish is this idea of pouring out, of just giving in full, generous measure. Picture the thing at Hurricane Harbor, that big bucket that just pours water out on people and you hear the bell ding, 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 and you stand underneath it, right? That's lavishing. That's how it's describing God's grace. It's using that same word and concept. And so in verse seven through eight, what we see is that we are lavishly redeemed, not hopelessly enslaved, that, that we are abundantly and generously poured, have grace poured out upon us from God. We are redeemed, meaning we are set free from our sin. We are forgiven. We are not to be entangled with this anymore. We're not hopelessly enslaved. We're not in a hopeless situation. Thankfully, God lavished grace on us and not wrath, right? <laughs> this could have meant a lot this could have been a different course for you and I. We are lavishly redeemed, not hopelessly enslaved. Now, I love this restaurant, but I gotta say it for, so the, the, it'll just stick better, okay? I love Chipotle, okay? I love going to, to Chipotle. There are some really, really good ones, but there are some, okay, that they're a little stingy, okay? Let's talk about this. I have so many food illustrations. This is embarrassing, okay? When I go to this one Chipotle that's maybe nearby, just over there. Um, <laughs> we start going through the line, right? And I'm like, I want a bowl. I'm a bowl guy, all right? Just, I'm, I'm messy, so I might as well just go ahead and mess it up, all right? 
that's for my chicken and, and, and cheese and fajita, veggies, all that stuff like that. And I think this happened to you too. Like, it's like they, like they got a little baby spoon. Yeah, you know, I just poured it out. And you're kind of like, hey, like, and, and you're thinking about it, right? Should I ask for more? Like, am I really gonna be that guy? And the answer for Cole Rhodes is always, yes, I'm gonna be that guy. And so I say, hey, like, can you, you know, when you kind of do that, when you don't say, where you, you know, and they're like, okay. But I say, give me some more. And, and you know, you get that look from them, like, like, I hate you, right? Like, they, they are so annoyed. And, and, and because maybe for whatever reason, at this certain location, all right, they have been told to be stingy. And you feel bad to ask for more because you, you, really, you really want it poured on. You want, to, you know, that $10 bowl to be worth it, right? Like, I, money ain't free, right? And so they would rather be stingy sometimes than want to pour it on and want to give the minimal amount. And so I say that stupid illustration like this. Friends, it's funny, it's dumb, and I just told you a part about my life is stupid. But we can be the same way with God's grace. We can assume that he's stingy. We can feel bad to have to ask him for more grace. God, I, I need your grace. I need your forgiveness in this situation. We can treat God like the Chipotle line, right? We feel bad for it. And sometimes we assume that he's already that way. Like when it comes to his love and grace, listen, we don't have to pester him. Did you know that? Did you know, here's the, here's the total flip of the script. It's not even us first asking him for grace. Did you know that he pursued us first? He initiated this whole loving relationship in his grace. Look at this passage and look how it just says, God did, God did, God did, God did this. He did this. He said, like, if you just read it, there's no way you can read this and think, I think that we initiate our love for God. No, like he loves all of us so much. We are lavishly redeemed, not hopelessly enslaved. His grace is in abundance. We move on to verse 11. It says, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. Next thing I want you to see is that we are guaranteed heirs not illegitimate strangers. Break this down. An heir is a child that has received inheritance. And an illegitimate, that is intentional wordplay, your illegitimate child not born of that family and a stranger that stands for itself. And so but believers, listen, this is true for all of us. This is what verse 11 is getting at. We are going to inherit a person, and that's Jesus, <laughs> living in fullness and eternity with him and we're gonna inherit a destination. We already touched on this a little bit, but the, the, the destination of heaven, the real physical place where you're gonna live with God forever. You're like, where, where am I gonna go someday? I'm, I'm going there. Like, it's, it's already, it's my inheritance. It's guaranteed. He's telling me that it's going to happen. You know what's crazy? I got to go last week to see my grandmother. I got a call from my mom and she said, hey, I know we've been thinking this is coming I think Mama probably has about 24 hours left to live. Uh, and so I was like, wow, by the way, she's still somehow alive and kicking. Praise God, a few more days with her. But in that moment, I went to go see her in the hospital in Abilene, drove as fast as I could from, from Lubbock to, to Abilene and went to see her, sat down next to her hospital bed, got to talk with her just a little bit, seeing her, her favorite hymns, you know, and um, speak to her and 
I actually prayed for her because she's been saying she wants to go to heaven for a long time. And she's at that age. And it's, it's a beautiful, wonderful thing to, to be so confident in this. And I actually prayed, I believe a good prayer. I said, God, what a beautiful, amazing, biblical thing that she wants. She just wants to go be with you. And I actually prayed that, God, if you would be merciful very, very soon, could you, could you take her home to be with you? Because she's, she's ready. And we're ready for her, for her suffering to be over. You know, the, the opposite was true even today on campus as we, we got to share the gospel with some people and Caitlin was telling me about it. The question came up of like, hey, are, like, do you know if you're going to, going to heaven or not? And it was like everyone they asked were unsure. I don't know, like maybe if I'm a good enough person, like maybe we'll see how life works out. Guys, I'm like, they need to know about amazing grace, Right? Like they, they need to see verse 11 and Ephesians 1. They don't even know that it exists, but it says we are guaranteed heirs, not illegitimate strangers. Like the, the question, believer, don't wrestle with this. Don't doubt this. Let the word of God be true in your life. Like it exists for a reason. What's true is this. If you're ever wondering, hey, am I going to go to heaven? The answer to that question as a Christian is an always and forever resounding 100% confident yes. You are. And you're like, well, how can I be sure? What if I mess it up? That's what verse 11 is saying. Look, it says, in him we have obtained an inheritance, meaning in Christ, through what Christ has done for you, this has been made possible. And so what that means is that this is something Christ obtained and what Christ seeks to obtain he will have what Christ wants, Christ gets. And guess what, believer? He wanted you and me and he got us. He won our very souls. Not for us to be unsure about, oh my goodness, our eternal destiny? Are you kidding me? No, he wants you to be sure and hopeful right now. We are guaranteed heirs, not illegitimate strangers. For our last point tonight, and some of you are like, whew, thank goodness, whew, Mama Sita, this has been deep. Verse 13, let's look at verse 13. It says, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. Ooh, you see that? There it is again. It's guaranteed until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The last thing I want you to see in this text tonight is that believer, what are the blessings that we have? We are surely sealed, not pending approval. We are surely sealed, not pending approval. This sealing is talking about by the Holy Spirit, not that sealing, not sealed shut. This is a seal and a mark that you would have on you. That, that's the type of thing that it's talking about. And so I, to kind of illustrate this, I don't know if this is normal for any of you people that are in like medical, you could tell me this, but 
I used to have a really clear, funny-looking birthmark right here that looked like a fish, okay? <laughs> I share lots of personal things tonight. And I remember one of the first times, I think, that we went swimming somewhere, maybe been with a youth group. I think uh, Caitlin saw it. This is when we were really young and, like, laughed at it. And, of course, you'd make fun of it. I, like, I have a fish-like thing on my body, right? But now it's kind of faded away. We can talk about that later. Um, but the thing is about a birthmark is that as awkward as it was, every time I saw it, you know what it told me? It told me who I was. Every time I look at it, I could say, hey, I'm James and Dana Rhodes' son. That, 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 that marks me from birth. This is, this is a little bit of my identity. This is, a, this is a stamp saying who I came from. This shows me that I have an origin. And, and the way that I see this verse talking about the Holy Spirit of God being given to us as a seal is the Holy Spirit serving as a birthmark. But he's not the birthmark for our earthly birth. He's the birthmark for our spiritual birth. Amen? When we were born again in Jesus Christ, God sealed the deal, put the Holy Spirit on us and said, you are mine. The Holy Spirit is going to be the guarantee of your inheritance, but also every time you feel that conviction, Every time you know that I'm present with you, even if you don't feel it and know it, read it and believe I gave you my Holy Spirit so you would know who you are and you would know whose you are. That's why he did it. God didn't want to leave you and I wondering who we are, whose we are. And so he put his mark not only on us, but in us as his Holy Spirit dwells with us and is present with us. As the Bible says, an ever help and present time of need. We are surely sealed, not pending approval. So the big question now is, is now what? Right? Why, why did God give us all of these blessings? Why is Paul saying all these things? Why did he go into all these deep Truths, what, what benefit is it for you and me? How, maybe you'd be asking, like, how am I supposed to respond to this? And the answer is, we might praise and glorify him. That, that God wants our worship from this. That was, that was Paul's aim. And so if we're reading this and we're like, I'd really like to debate about what all this meant. Well, what you need to know is that that's not why Paul wrote it. What Satan would mean for debate, God means for delight. He, he wants this to yield worship in our hearts and, and praise to God. If you see in verse 6, look at what verse 6 says at the very end. It says, or the very beginning, to the praise of his glorious grace is why these things have been done and why we're writing these things. Look at verse 12. It says, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ might be to the what? to the praise of his glory. And then verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the what? Praise of his glory. I think we're supposed to praise God from these truths, right? <laughs> Am I, I'm not stretching it, right? That's what's so beautiful and amazing about this passage. That's why we went here. It's that God wants these truths. When we talk about deeper theology, when we talk about knowing God more, what he wants is these truths to yield an enormous, explosive praise out of our hearts. And my hope for you tonight is that you're just bubbling over. You're like, Cole, get off the stage so we can praise God together. Like this is amazing, amazing truth. 
John Piper says it like this. He says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. You want to praise and give God glory? Find satisfaction in all the amazing blessings that you have being a Christian. And so what I want to put before you tonight, friends, what I want to put before you tonight, just lay it there, let you think about it and sit on it, is whatever is happening in your heart and mind from Ephesians 1, God's will is that it might lead to a greater delight and worship in Him. Period. He gave us this so we might know Him deep. We might know what all he's done for us. We can glorify him tonight by responding to his amazing grace with a deeper love and commitment. I'm talking about a white, hot worship. Like, you don't even know what's going on. You're like, I thought this was a Baptist church, but I feel the spirit type worship thing going on. Like, that's the type of worship that he wants from us. And just in a minute, guess what? We're about to sing a song that literally has Ephesians 1 in the title. So I'm gonna put that before you. We've got the truth. We, we've, we've got it. Let's praise him for it. This is the amazing grace that John Newton was singing about back in 1779, and it still holds up today. That was a few hundred years. This is the amazing grace that Paul wrote about 2,000 years ago, and it still holds up today. And I would just want to ask you, have you been like me? Have you felt the conviction that I have felt this week? And you got to admit, God, I feel like maybe 50-50, maybe even 60-40, maybe even many, most, most days, my song is the song of average grace when you've given me the song of amazing grace. I think there's some of you in this room, you've never believed in Jesus and even the concept of grace you're not even familiar with. And I just want you to skip over the average grace stuff and just come right into his amazing grace because that's God's will for you. He wants, he wills and desires for all to be saved. It says that specifically in the Bible, he wants you to come to him and to know him and to love him and believe in him. So maybe you need to believe in Jesus and him be your amazing grace tonight for the first time. For the believer in the room, how can God's amazing grace encourage you? How can God's amazing grace change you? And what, and what ways specifically in your life you know them, even as I talk about them right now, you know the ways that God's grace needs to be amazing for you again. Like you know it in your heart and mind. You have sins you're hiding. You have struggles that you're hiding. You know exactly where that needs to be. And he's not being stingy with that grace. He wants to step into those places. What do you need to reckon with the God of the universe tonight so that his grace can be amazing once again in your life? Because his grace is amazing that we are chosen, not forsaken. We are predestined, not undecided. We are adopted, not abandoned. We are lavishly redeemed, not hopelessly enslaved. We are guaranteed heirs, not illegitimate strangers. We are surely sealed, not pending approval. We are saved by amazing grace. Let's pray.
there's got to be people in this room right now who are so sick of living that average grace life. They're so sick of this lukewarm kind of quasi-Christianity, God, and I know that your desire and will is to move and save and redeem and rescue and change and transform and step into our darkness and bring us out of the light. And so I pray that for those in this room. I pray for people in this room that everyone else would think that they were a Christian, but God, they have never tasted your amazing grace that in humility, you would rip down that wall that they just crash it down, God, this wall that they've had in front of them that they're so terrified to admit, I, I'm not the real deal. And tonight they would see it's not about that. It's about God's grace and that you would save them and they would boldly make that decision tonight. God, I pray for people enslaved to the sin of pornography. I pray for people that are enslaved to relationships that they shouldn't be in. I pray for those who have been abused in their past who don't believe that you're a loving, good, good God. God, I pray for the people in this room who are apathetic even right now as they hear about this amazing grace that you would break through their hard hearts, God, and save them and show them how good and loving you are. Oh, God of grace, may your Holy Spirit fall in this place and come into our hearts and do a saving mighty work and just in a moment God we're going to sing praise to you because God your grace is not average it is nothing but amazing and more amazing than we can ever imagine we pray this in Jesus name amen we hope you are encouraged by today's podcast if you'd like to learn more about the journey check us out on Instagram or Facebook at the journey LBK thanks for listening